An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily represent those of station staff, management, and advertisers. They were there when history was made. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Inside the 20! Touchdown! A raconteur is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports Raconteur. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! The sports raconteurs dust off the great American art of storytelling. From the players, coaches, media, the people who were there. Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. Go crazy. Now, here's Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Sports Rockin' Tours, a show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half-century or so of American sports. Well, last week, historian David Kaiser joined us to discuss 1965, a year that many NFL analysts have described as the most exciting year in pro football history. David looked at the wacky regular season, which led to one of the wildest postseasons ever, including a playoff game for the Western Conference title between the Packers and the Colts. This was a game that anyone who saw it will never forget. Today, we discuss what happened in that game, as well as the rest of the NFL season, including the championship game, the playoff bowl, a weird game they played at the time by the runners-up, and the Pro Bowl. And then later in the show, we will switch topics and discuss boxing with two-time heavyweight champion Tim Witherspoon. Okay, okay, you have two conferences of seven teams, okay? And everybody plays somebody from the everybody plays two teams from the other conference. So there are 14 total uh, in in conference games, right. one per week all year. That's the way the schedule is. The West won 13 out of those 14 games. That's how dominant they were. Yeah, they were. And, and when, I, when I told that to Ken Ward, said, that's the most incredible statistic I've ever heard. <laughs> well, and you think about a team right. like the 49ers, a team like the Bears. Uh, yeah. If they were in the Eastern Division, you know, they might have had a real shot oh, at winning sure. that. <laughs> oh, sure. And again, I remember I was aware of that um, during the season. And again, the next to last week, 
uh, I believe it was, the next to last week, uh, the Browns, who have already clinched the East, are playing the Rams in Los Angeles. And the Rams are on a hot streak behind their new quarterback, Roman Gabriel. Uh, and they've just beaten the Packers, in fact. And um, so, again, and, and that was a doubleheader game that was on. And I got to look at it at half game, and the, and the Rams are absolutely killing them. In the end, they won that game 42-7. to And I thought, oh, my God, even the Browns yeah. don't have a chance. <laughs> and Gary Collins, who's a very funny guy, uh, said, well, we were out there to party, you know. Yeah. But then again, Gary Collins also remembered, uh, he was a very bright guy, that uh, he had a chance to break the all-time punting record for average um, length of his punts mm. uh, at that point but that he had to punt all day in that game against the Rams, and uh, he didn't do particularly well, so the chance was lost. But, but he remembered the exact figures involved. He was, <laughs> a, he was a wide receiver and a great punter, which wasn't unusual. No, he, yeah, uh, he was a good, ball, good yeah. ball player. Yes, he was. And, and, although this didn't happen during 1965, I don't think, uh, but, but five times he told me, because I remember this because I saw it once, uh, he decided to run the ball instead of punting. And and he and he made the first down every time. <laughs> he did that in his career. <laughs> and uh, he would never tell uh, his teammates that he was going to do that. Uh, which is the other funny thing about that. <laughs> I wonder when's the last time anybody, any punter in the NFL, ever did that. That would be an interesting question. Yeah. Not recently. No. Not recently. No. That's for sure. No. Well, so let's we get to this playoff game. So they tie. Yes. Okay. So right. let's talk. Really, the game of the year. I mean, the championship uh, game was important, but this was the game of the year. Uh, right. Just makes in the same way as a Raider fan growing up in the Immaculate Reception game. It's right. got to feel the same way to Baltimore fans, probably to this day that we're around that we're rooting for the well, Colts. Well, it does. <laughs> but as a Raider fan, and you probably noticed this in the book, mm-hmm. uh, it begins similarly in a sense to the playoff between the Raiders and the Dolphins in yeah. 1974. When the, when the Dolphins are two-time champs, but the Raiders are favored in that game, and I was rooting for the Raiders, and I actually turned the TV on a few seconds late that day, and what should I see but not more of the <laughs> Dolphins running the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. <laughs> well, I, I was there, and you talk about taking the, taking the air out of the stadium because oh, people yes. were out of their oh, minds. Yes. But fortunately oh, yeah. for the Raiders, uh, you know, there was plenty of time, and uh, St- Stabor didn't do that. And that was one of those, you know, just one of those great right. moments, you know. But, uh, but yeah, right. it was a tough way to start that game. So, oh, so. it was, yes. But anyway, so, so the start of this game, okay. Mm-hmm. Maddie has been, the, okay, first of all, the Colts have decided that they're not going to pass, basically, which I think turned out to be a mistake. Right. But that's what they decided. So they prepared this whole new offense. But they know the defense is going to have to win the game for them, basically. And the, the Packers, um, you, you know, their offense has come to life the last couple of weeks uh, with 40, what was it, 42 points against the Colts and 24 points against the 49ers. Um, so they're feeling pretty confident, although Lombardi says, you know, the Colts have been reprieved and they must feel they have nothing to lose, whatever. So the Colts kick off. Kickoffs run back to the 20. Bart Starr 
calls a play-action pass, first play, fades back. The tight end, Bill Anderson, is running it down and out. He completes the pass. But Lenny Lyles, a very fast, tough cornerback, is coming up to him, and he just crunches him right in the midsection. Beautiful, clean tackle. The ball goes flying. <laughs> Don Shinnick, the linebacker, is trailing the play. He picks it up and takes off for the end zone down the sideline. Uh, he's obviously going to make it, but Bart Starr, and by the way, one of the shocking things watching the film is how small Bart Starr is. He, he, he's really a little guy by NFL standards. Oh, yes, yeah, uh, especially for a quarterback, he, right? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and Bart Starr is going to come over and try to make the tackle. But one of the other Colt defensive backs is, is running interference, and he equalizes with Starr. And Starr limps off the field with a badly bruised back, and it turns out he's out of the game. So, in one play, <laughs> the Colts are ahead 7 to nothing, and the Packers have lost their quarterback, although they do have an experienced backup, Zeke Bratkowski, right. who actually had played quite a bit that year and, and had pulled out a couple of games for them already. Uh, still, um, that, that certainly puts a different complexion on, on the thing. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the, uh, the Colts run a very nice series of downs later, uh, Maddie makes one tremendous play, which I don't think he remembered, uh, but it's on the film. Uh, he did go back to pass, and the two defensive ends are closing in on him. He's over toward the left sideline, and he's facing that sideline, really, but with his right arm, with his right shoulder pointing straight out field, he just flips the ball over the defensive ends to Lenny Moore, a, a very great player. Uh, who, who gets a block and, and takes it into Packer territory, and then they run some more good running plays, and then they kick a field goal. And now it's 10 to nothing. And um, Upton Bell said to me when I talked to him, he says, you know, I, I really thought we had lost the championship when Unitas went out, but I remember at that moment I sat there thinking, my God, we're actually going to win. In a moment, more with David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. Remember, all of our interviews can be found on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to like Sports RACX on Facebook. You're listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Well, this is Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. What were you thinking? 
Celebrity voice impersonated. Wayne Klingman, or you might know him better as Mr. Big, is out handling a dispute, but he did want to say thank you for listening to Vintage Vegas Crime Blotter every week. He also wants to remind you you can get copies of his books on Amazon. Just simply search Wayne Klingman, that's spelled C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N, again, Wayne Klingman, for the best in Vegas reading materials. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. Well, maybe I am. If you're buying a diamond ring for your wife, it's not cool to be cheap. If you're buying airline tickets, it's very cool to be cheap and called Trip Amigo, where you can fly anywhere in the world and save up to 75% on over 500 airlines and 300,000 hotels, plus rental cars and vacation packages. Visit family, friends, or go on a -a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Go ahead, be cheap. We have special fares we're not allowed to publish. When you book your airline reservations with Trip Amigo, you'll spend your travel money when you get there, not by getting there. Call Trip Amigo now and mention the travel code Amigo and save even more. Call Trip Amigo now. 701-581-9605. 701-581-9605. That's 701-581-9605. Now, let's return to Sports Rockin' Tours. On Talk Media Network, here is Stephen Maggi. You are listening to a conversation with David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. David and I are chatting about the one-game playoff between the Green Bay Packers and the Baltimore Colts for the right to face the Cleveland Browns for the championship. So, then, uh, the the Packers get their first break from the officials, in my opinion. And again, you know, we can all watch the film, judge for yourself. A very dubious pass interference call, in my opinion, on a play where the pass was broken up, uh, gets them well in the cold territory, and then they get down for a second down on the one, I think it is. 
they run three running plays from the one, and they wow. can't do it. <laughs> wow. And, and again, one of the wonderful classic things about the game in that era, which has changed completely, is the stoic attitude of the players on the field. They do not celebrate. They do not emote. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. a tiny bit for a touchdown, but, but that's all. Right. But on that play, when they stopped the back, Jimmy Taylor on fourth down, uh, Jerry Logan, one of the cold defensive backs, starts leaping up and down, you know, wildly signaling the first down sign in the Colts' direction. And, and I mean, you see that for these defenders, this is the greatest moment of their life, probably. Uh, so it's 10 to nothing at the half. Um, wow. So yeah. the, the Colts fans are feeling pretty good at this point. They have at to this be. point, they must be feeling pretty good. Yes, that's right. Although there's a long way to go. And then uh, the Packers begin to move the ball in the second half, but the Colts come up with a couple of big interceptions. Uh, one by Bobby Boyd, who actually had also saved the game against the last game of the season against Los Angeles with a big interception, and who led the league in interceptions that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with 12, maybe. Um, and uh, then finally, though, they do get a, a reasonable drive. I'm not sure the officials were involved in that one. And they do score a touchdown, so it's 10 to 7. Um, Oh, no, no, that's right. What started that drive, that's right. What started that drive was a bad snap from center on a punt. And the punter was not able to get off the punt, and that gave the Packers good field position. Mm-hmm. The poor curled center turned out to be a key guy in this game. That was the first of two plays. So they've got it down to 10-7, to 7, but the Colts are hanging in there. And uh, the Packers get the ball uh, with a few minutes left, deep in their own territory. And the first big play is Barkowski is back to pass. He's be- Barkowski is back to pass. He's being rushed. And Billy Ray Smith, not a big, but a very tough Colt yeah. defensive tackle, is sort of within reach of him, and he just swings his arm at his head, and he makes contact with his helmet, and Bratkowski just goes down like he's been shot, <laughs> although he got up and he was all right. Yeah. Now, that was not an illegal play in the NFL in 1965. No, Deacon Jones made a career doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, he would do it He would do it to his blockers, yes. Yeah, but, but, yeah. Yeah. but so, you know, I mean, so, hitting in the head, right, you know. Right, right, right. right. So, but the the official immediately throws a flag, and, and the Colts are, are bananas. And what is painful is, and I've watched this several times, during the argument, the official gestures as if what he's called is a face mask penalty, which it definitely was not. Yeah. And so that keeps the drive alive, and they get down to about the 20, uh, or somewhere in the 20s of the Colts, and then they stall. And on comes Don Chandler uh, with, with two minutes left at the most uh, to kick what would be the tying field goal. And the instant he hits it, he turns away in disgust. And God bless NFL films. Yeah. <laughs> and again, this film is right there on YouTube. They have a beautiful end zone shot looking right at it. And yeah. at least one Packer player... One and a half Packer players actually 
tried to tell me that, yes, that kick was good. <laughs> uh, actually, the, the interesting one was Dave Robinson, who I just loved. Yeah, I mean, he's, a he's, very, great. he's great. Oh, he's a very smart guy, and he's very funny. Um, and uh, he said, he was on the field blocking, he said, if the goalpost had been extended higher, that kick would have hit the goalpost. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that sort of explains the difference. But I just want to ask everybody, you look at the film and you, you tell me that There ball is no way. Was good. No, it, it, it just wasn't. And uh, the official called it good. Um, uh. Actually, you can also see in the film, I think it's Lou Michaels, uh, who's the cold field goal kicker, but he's on the field blocking, starting to signal that it was wide. Yeah. Um, but, of course, his opinion was, was not the key one. Um, and then there's another wild play at the end where the, 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 the Packers fumble right off the kickoff, but then they, the, the, the officials call the half over. And so we're going into overtime, second time ever. And the Colts get the first chance in overtime, which is a field goal attempt of approximately 50 yards, by Lou Michaels, who was the best long kicker in the league mm-hmm. at that point. And, and he had made field goals over 50 yards. Um, but again, the snap bounces, and he does get it off. But um, the timing was obviously a little messed up. And uh, it, it's not close to being good. Um, and uh, then, not too long after that, the Packers do get a real drive down the field. And again, they can't get it into the end zone. But this time, Chandler does make it, and that's that. Wow. And I mean, yep. that's the kind of thing. It's one of those moments in this view. If you're really a fan, and boy, the Baltimore Colts had had a fanatical fan base, oh, right? Yes. Yes, and it, that stays with you the rest of your life, you know. It's oh, oh, it did. It stayed with Shula the rest of his life. I mean, Shula, Shula yeah. was dead by the time I did the book, and and that's my great regret, by the way. I had thought about doing this book since the seventies, mm-hmm. um, and I, if I had done it ten or twenty years ago, I could have done so many more interviews. But anyway, no, Shula yeah. was still complaining about it uh, at the time he died, and Upton Bell was still angry about it. Um, oh, yes, and Dan Sullivan, another cult. That's the quote in the book. Very funny guy <laughs> who lives in my area. So, yeah, we got screwed. <laughs> well, you know, you got to be honest happened. with it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And Shula, I got to say, he didn't say anything about it in the dressing room after the game. And, and all he did was he, he thanked his players. He said, I've never been prouder of a team than this. We knew it was going to be tough. He says, but I guess if you can't beat a team once in three tries, you don't deserve to be in the championship, and we couldn't beat Green Bay. Wow. Well, you know, know. and that is kind of a really honorable thing to say because, that you know, I, I just uh, – my recollection of was a little few years less, seven years later with Madden, and it's like, hey, you know what? Those those official things that he hated, and he thought it was totally biased, but at the same time, he goes, if it's got to come down to one play, you can't let it go like that because then, then those type of things happen, so you got to right. accept it. That's right. Know? Yeah, sure. Coming up, more with David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. Place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. 310-534-4180. You are listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. And now... 
another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. It is not uncommon for youth to yearn to break away. What's Eating Gilbert Grape is a film that acknowledges that fact and explores the realm of ties that bind. Johnny Depp is Gilbert, responsible for holding his family together. His mentally handicapped younger brother is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who was nominated for an Oscar for his performance. And his mother, now tipping the scale at 600 pounds, is housebound. Gilbert abides. Becky, played by Juliette Lewis, and her mom pass through town in a motorhome and become the catalysts for change. Their free lifestyle is the counterpoint to Gilbert's chains. Becky and Gilbert are drawn to one another with implications lost on no one. The character of Gilbert's obese mom is played by Darlene Cates. She is a formidable presence. To director Lassa Holstrom's credit, he allows her impact on the world around her to play out naturally. Films like this are hard to categorize. They are not on a straight-line mission. The story is everywhere within the frame, but heading nowhere in particular. What's Eating Gilbert Grape is a rich offering. It speaks of life, of family, of yearning, and we are enriched with a little drama, some good humor, and a whole lot of heart. Indie Film Minute, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas, from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? That is the case. (laughs) Yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. Do you own a timeshare? Well, face the facts. You made a mistake. You made a bad purchase. A timeshare is not an investment. It's a money pit that continues forever. If you use your timeshare, that's great. But if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract, call my friends right now at the Timeshare Exit Hotline. They're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want. Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you are ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-824-5131 That's 800-824-5131 Now, 
let's return to Sports Tours On Talk Media Network, here is Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Tours. You're listening to David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. One interesting fact from that 65 season, Jim Brown is the only player in NFL history to win a League Most Valuable Player Award during his final season. Well, let's just talk about two more games. We're, we're going to talk about the Colts again. But before we get to that, the championship really is kind of anticlimactic. Uh, the Packers it and was the Browns. Kind of an, it yeah. was kind of anticlimactic, yes. Um, and the Browns, some of them, feel that the weather cost them the game, although one of them, who I didn't talk to, but he's quoted in another book, Paul Warfield, mm-hmm. uh the great receiver said, no, I can't blame the weather. You know, they had to play in it, too. But it was in Green Bay, and, and according to Ernie Green, another one of my best interviews, um, and, and somebody else, first of all, there was some mix-up with the bus, or there was a lot of traffic they didn't expect, or snow on the road, and they got there very late. They, they, they didn't really have time to get ready. But it had snowed, but the Packers had this heating system yeah. in the field. And it was melting all the snow and, and turning it all into mush. And Ernie Green said it was the worst. Just playing in those conditions was the worst thing he ever experienced on a football field. Because every time you fell, you fell in this cold, wet water. Um, but uh, the Browns did get off to lead, 6 to nothing. And again, the Packers got a break early in that game. This is how they got their first touchdown. Um, Starr was throwing a, a down and out to Carol Dale, I think, to the left side. And they completed the pass, but there were two defensive backs coming up to cover him. And uh, the pass was a little short, and Dale had to come back for it. And both of the defensive backs slipped and fell. Ugh. And he <laughs> took off and made it all the way into the end zone. Wow. <laughs> uh, but the thing about that game um, – that nobody else has ever talked about, but it sure jumped out at me. Uh, Frank Ryan, okay, was the Cleveland quarterback. Right. He was a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. He had had the greatest day of, of his life um, the year before against the Colts when he threw three touchdown passes to Gary Collins. And he did throw another touchdown pass to Gary Collins for the first touchdown of the Colts on a play in which they made Herb Adderley, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, just look sick. Because Collins' bread and butter was the post pattern, and this time they ran a post corner, and Adderley was, like, left for dead. I mean, he was yards behind the play. Um, the, the, The key thing that jumped out of me was that Jim Brown, in what turned out to be his last game as a Brown and his next to last game in the NFL, uh, carried the ball, I believe, 12 times. That was all. Yeah, that's that's really I, interesting. I know. I know. And um, I have to think that hurt them a lot. I, I mean, it was a close, It was 13-12 to 12 at the half, I think, for the Packers. And the Browns could not score in the second half. The Packers moved the ball well on the ground. Yeah. But why do you uh, think that was? I mean, and, and that... That is really interesting because I remember my 
the, my recollection of that game was when they were carrying Lombardi off, and it looked like these guys were in, in a foxhole in World War One. I. I mean, they're just that's full right. of mud. And yeah, so, that's so, right. So it seems like Jimmy Brown would be the perfect guy. You should be handing off to him every other play. Was was he hurt, or were they mad at him? Because I could see that, too. The Browns were interesting. No, in no, way. I don't think it was anything like that. I don't think he could have been badly hurt. Actually, he had had quite a rest because – he got thrown out of their last regular season game uh, for fighting mm-hmm. in the first half, I believe, of that game. And then they, they had a two-week break, okay, because while the Packers were playing the Colts, they were just sitting at home. So it, it's unlikely that he was hurt, and, and, and he looks fine. But Ryan just kind of got into a passing rhythm and, and stayed with it. The other thing it might, that might have hurt, okay, Ernie Green – was the other setback and a great blocking back right. and a key to the offense. And he got hurt during the game and had to leave the game. So that yeah. probably didn't help. And, and they put Leroy Kelly in. Uh, the, the Browns also, uh, I think three of their greatest, two or three of their greatest receivers dropped passes, which, again, was partly, partly the conditions. Uh, but um, so, so that was bad luck. But why they didn't try to play more of a ball control game, I don't know. But yeah. I, I suspect that was Ryan who thought he could do, again, what he had done the year before. It's too bad you couldn't have got to Jim Brown. That would have been an interesting conversation. Cause I would have liked, yes. I, I really would have enjoyed asking him that. Yes, that's true. Well, yeah. so the season ends, I think, in the perfect way. The playoff ball, which was one of the worst games of all time. I mean, nobody wanted to play in it. It's the two-second no, right. teams. But I thought it was interesting, again— Tom Maddy throws the ball and has great success. It's wonderful for him. I know Shul was proud, you know, and it's one of those efforts where they won for years later, and you, you kind of think it, it speaks to their character that they would go out in a game like that, you know, up against Dallas, right, and uh, and, and to play that well and, and, and to take it seriously, you got to give guys credit. I know, and, and I'm sure they enjoyed themselves. It was down in Miami, uh, but... Uh, yeah, uh, they did, and and they decided to turn Maddie loose. And and you know Maddie had been a college quarterback. Granted, it was for Woody Hayes at Ohio State, so he wasn't throwing the ball very much. But but he could throw the ball. And again, um, the 1965 highlight film of the Colts is also on YouTube, and that's where you that film ends with several minutes of highlights from the playoff ball and Maddie throws two wonderful long touchdown passes. And, and, I mean, he shows he could really do it. And that was the Cowboys team that was going to come within an eyelash yeah. of winning the championship the next year. And they already had uh, just about all of the defense that, that they had at that point. Yeah, so, Bob Lilly, um, Jethro Pugh, all they those were not guys, right? Yeah. I'm not sure about well, Pugh. Pugh wasn't there yet. No, I think That's he was right. later. But Lilly and Andre, and I think... Leroy Jordan oh. and Mel Renfro. The Cowboys always had cornerback problems, but uh, I know that from being a Washington Redskins fan <laughs> and watching Sonny Jurgensen pick them apart <laughs> year after year. Uh, but anyway... Um, Do you think I, maybe a so, little of that yeah. was too kind of... Uh, 
when I interviewed Maddie, I interviewed him right before he passed. Uh, just oh, like my. I say, a wonderful guy. And the one yeah. thing was he loved. And, and you know, you got the same thing from other guys that we talked to. Uh, you know, up, starting with Upton and, and working away through a number of people that they just loved those fans. It was a great. It, yeah. it was a great interaction. You kind of think maybe it was kind of a little bit of a gift. I mean, okay, it's the playoff ball, right? But you know, we're not going to let your last memory of this great season be Don Chandler missing a field goal and getting credit for it. And, well, maybe so. Uh, I don't know. know. <laughs> it's an interesting question. <laughs> this book is interesting. you got to get it. This is perfect, and our timing is perfect for this. If you want a great Christmas gift for a football fan, <laughs> NFL 1965, the most exciting season. You don't have to be old guys like us because let me tell you, there are people – I was I, I uh, was explaining this whole story to a friend of mine, and he was fascinated by it. This guy grew up in the '90s, you know. But oh, okay. It's just yeah. you know. So he goes, "Can I have the? Can I read the book? Can I read the book? Yeah, yes. You know, I'll let you read it. You know. But but I think people will be fascinated by it because it's a different era, but it's still it's not only is it great competition, but it, you you couldn't you know how they always say like you know a screenwriter couldn't write anything like that, but. This no, is sort of one of those kind of things. I know. It, it absolutely is, and, and that is so true. More in a moment with David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. Have you been portnoy yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? You send me a photograph, and I do a realistic cartoon caricature. Realistic looks just like you, and then I cartoon the body. How do we get information we want to get portnoy uh, you can call the gallery at 702-685-2929 or on social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery, artist Neil Portnoy, Neil Portnoy, idroppeople.com, and probably about six other places that at my age memory is the second thing that goes. You are listening to Sports and Tours with Stephen Manchie, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. 
Holy gentle giants, dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. You're listening to Sports Tours. Now, here again is Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Tours. You are listening to David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. A major change to the pro football landscape was coming in the offseason. On June 8, 1966, the National Football League and American Football League announced a merger which led to a Super Bowl between the two leagues at the end of the 1966 season, though it took until 1970 for other leagues to unite their operations. Now, David, I know you write about a lot of different things. Do you have any other books in mind sports-wise or anything we can be looking for to uh, down the line? Sports-wise, no, not at, at this time. Uh, what I'm writing right now is a concise, relatively concise political history of the United States based almost entirely on State of the Union addresses and other addresses by presidents. Um, so well, that sounds fascinating. I mean, I w- it's going to be a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, it's about two-thirds of the way through now. And also, the, the confidence most of them express in the United States and where we're going is, is quite awe-inspiring. Yeah. Uh, often. Yeah. Uh, the, no, the sports is a lot of fun, but I don't really. A friend of mine once said to me, somebody who's known me since college, "You want to write a book about your life as a fan," and that, <laughs> that is an interesting idea. Uh, but whether I will ever follow up on that, I, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the as I told you off the air, I wrote Epic Season, the 1948 American League pennant race, which is still in print, and that's like this book. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was really the most fun writing experience I've ever had because when I was writing that book, and that was in the late 80s, I was living in 1948. I mean, when the phone rang, I would have to kind of jerk myself to, to get myself back into the current reality. I was so deep into it. And then the second baseball book is more statistical, and that, that was fun too, but in a completely different way. But whether there's something like this um, waiting for me down the road, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought I thought for a while once about 
writing a book about six or seven great World Series, but nobody cares about the World Series very much anymore, so I don't know where that would go. Sadly. Well, um, I love the concept of uh, 1948 because I think baseball is just the perfect sport because it's every day, yeah. you know. Yes, and, you know, the, the, the attendance uh, was setting records all over the place in, in 1948. In fact, the, the Indians who were playing in Municipal Stadium held 80,000 people. They broke the all-time season attendance record, and that stood for more than 30 years. Wow. Well, that I guess record. that was yeah. kind of the post-war people had money. Exactly. We didn't exactly. have to worry about uh, going on, sending your kid Absolutely. off to war. You know, you, now that right. all of a sudden the pennant races really matter again. So that's... Right, right. And and actually the Indians, I don't know if they have the only one, they had what they called a nursery, what we would call a daycare center, at the park for all those little baby boomers. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> Like me. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, that that was a lot of fun, and, and this was a lot of fun, too, and I'm really glad that uh, I got around to doing it, and I really appreciate your reaction very much. Well, let's switch sports now and meet Tim Witherspoon, who became only the third man in boxing history to regain a heavyweight title. I really couldn't believe it. Here I am. I watched the greatest of all times on television fighting on TV and watching Joe Frazier and watching George Foreman and watching uh, Muhammad Ali speak and do all this stuff. And here it is. I'm with the greatest of all time. How did I get here? How to pinch me somebody? I'm in Muhammad Ali's camp training with the greatest boxer of all time. And here it is. I was little watching him fight. Here it is. I'm with him, standing next to him, sparring with him. God is great. I don't know how that happened. But it happened. I got hurt in playing football. I was doing really good. I was starting as a freshman at Lincoln University, Missouri. And I got hurt. A guy spared me right in the back. So I came home. Our marks wasn't good and stuff, too. Plus, um, there was these people that didn't like us. And their family was coming in from mm-hmm. Chicago to try to hurt us. So we had to go home. We went home. I recovered. A lot of bo- a lot of friends from the neighborhood were boxing. Buster Drayton, Earl Hargrove, Kenny Reese. Brandon, they was all boxing, so I said, man, I might as well try it. That was a good decision, as it turns out. You know, you were really good. I love the nickname Terrible. You mean that in a totally different way than what we think of Terrible. Ali was the one that kind of told you to promote that name, right? I mean, he really liked it. Well, real quick, in the neighborhood where I grew up in South Philly, 7th 7th Street, 7th and Emily, and that's the area where everybody would know. We know at that time, terrible meant good. So if a dude hit a three-pointer from all the way out or drove behind three people and slam dunk, they would say, man, that boy is terrible. Terrible meant good. A friend from my neighborhood gave me the name. He came to the gym one day because he lived near me. He lived right next door, like three doors away. So he would come to the gym. So he came to the gym and he seen me spar. He said, man, you terrible, Tim. And then that's where I got the name from, one of my childhood friends. He started calling me Terrible Tim all the time. And then when I got up to Ali's camp and Ali heard the name, he kept calling me Terrible. He he promoted it, really. Muhammad Ali did. Terrible Tim, Terrible. And then I said, man, I like the name now. Muhammad calling me Terrible Tim. Two fights I want to talk to. I mean, you've had a great career. People that have followed boxing know. But first, the Larry Holmes fight, you almost won that. And... You were almost a little too young for that, huh? Because at that particular time, you didn't have a lot of experience. And again, it was real close. Yeah, I only had seven amateur fights. I've uh, only been boxing two years. Um, I think that was a great accomplishment. I give praises for my trainer, Slim Robinson. He passed away. 
but I give praises to him who taught me defense. When I was with my friend, now we had talked about my first trainer, Clarence Booker. I was getting hit a lot. I was going home with bloody mouths sometimes, even though I won five of my seven fights. Uh, but I thought that it was kind of rough when I was with my amateur coach. But when I switched over, things started getting easier, and then I saw the difference. And then I started seeing seeing the difference in how boxers train, how trainers train people and all that. And now I realized that Slim was an excellent trainer and everybody was acquiring with action and, and for him to, to help them. So I, I really give all the credit to Slim uh, teaching me uh, how to slip, how to block. And when he knew that I could get to Larry because he, he knew it, I said, Slim, when they offered me that fight, I said, Slim, that's a little too soon. He said, Tim, you're going to knock his ass out. And I said, I didn't have that many fights. He said, Tim, believe me. And you know what? I said, I'm going to believe. I said, that's it. I started training hard, and, and that's what happened. You know, his skills, knowing that I could block Larry Holmes' jab. We practiced two months and a half, have all the best jabbers jab at me. That's why Larry Holmes' jab wasn't as effective uh, on me at doing that fight because we was blocking jabs for like two months. What I remember is they couldn't believe how you out jab Larry Holmes, who has that famous jab. I mean, that was really an incredible achievement. Yeah, I think that Larry Holmes modeled his jab of Muhammad Ali. You know, everybody wanted the jab. He might not admit it, but everybody wanted the jab like Muhammad Ali. Like, I try to even get my jab out there like that. He influenced a lot of people, but I felt really relaxed about him. I knew that the only way that uh, he could hit me if I let him or I make a mistake, uh, we trained really hard. You know, I sat down on my jab and had power jabs. I kept power jabbing and kept my hands up. I would say that if I had five more fights, I could have knocked him out. I wasn't yeah. really that experienced. It was a big fight. I was having real fun. I was like, is this all you had? Is this all the real Larry Holmes? I think the lack of experience, but I wasn't scared at all. I really enjoyed that fight. I thank Larry for really being rude to me before the fight because that fueled the fire. He was really trying to use tactics to get me scared and it backfired. I wouldn't back up. I, I, know, I know my neighborhood and I know a lot of people that love me was behind me and that, and without them, I wouldn't have been heavyweight champion of the world. Without the people and support and people that really cared about me, I wouldn't have made champion of the world. It was them that helped me get there. Everybody, they helped me become heavyweight champion of the world. Another great fight you had, and this was one you won, another one of these. This one was surprising to some people was Frank Bruno. They thought that Bruno was going to win, and they had said, I, I remember at yeah, the time, no. oh, you weren't in the best of shape, and he was ready to go. And yet it was he who kind of, Ran out of gas at the end. That was something that I always dreamed of, going somewhere where a lot of people screaming and shouting at me, throwing stuff at me, at us. We come out winning. Um, so I was looking forward to that fight, even though I think he had more experience than me also. They used all kind of tactics when we flew over there. They put us over top of a pub. They wanted, you know, they send all this orange juice to my room. They try to send girls to the room. They tried to get me hooked up with girls and they tried everything to set up off track so it could confuse us, but it didn't. We had everything lined up, our sparring partners, we were all there. Everybody had a job to do. We wanted to win this fight and, and, and it came out, man, this is something that I would, you would just dream about. All those people in that stadium and I knocked out that champ in their country. But I went home with 95,000. And the guy I knocked out went home with a million four. I was a champion. I, I came to him 
defended my title, knocked him out in his town. He went home with $1.4 million. I went home with $95,000. Well, Champ, I can't thank you enough. We barely scratched the surface. I'd love to interview you again. Hey, thanks so much. Remember to follow us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thanks for listening. This is Stephen Maggi. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message. Hernia mesh manufacturers have recalled some of the mesh material that may have been used in your surgery due to high failure rate. The FDA has even blamed the recalled mesh material for some of the worst of the health issues reported by doctors and patients. If you've had two or more hernia surgeries for the same issue and you're having severe complications, call the legal helpline now. You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And there's no upfront cost to you. They only get paid if you win. So please call now. 800 430 Written by longtime comedy greats Rich Natoli and John Pate, Faith Wins is the feel-good story of the year, with proceeds of the film to benefit homeless people and homeless animals in Las Vegas. But we need your help to get the movie made. Go to GoFundMe.com and type in Faith Wins in the search box. GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. Homelessness is a big, big problem in the U.S. Let's put the spotlight where it belongs and make a real difference together. Go to GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. We can do this because Faith Wins. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826-800-948-6826-800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. KSHP shows are now available on all of the major podcasting platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Radiohead, and more. Simply search for KSHP on any of the major platforms and you can listen to past episodes of all your favorite KSHP programs, including Sports Rock and Tours.